Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I'm excited about today. We have a very special speaker, and he's going to come and share the word. So let's just give a big hand for uh, Rocky Step as he comes and shares the word. Come on, Rocky. Amen. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Well, let's, uh, let's stand and pray before we begin here. Lord, I just ask that you would speak today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to each person in this room. I ask, Lord, that it would be all about you. You have total permission to do whatever you want to do. This is your house. So, Father, I pray that you would speak. I ask that ears would be open to hear what you have to say. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Throughout this week, as I was preparing for this sermon, something that the Lord, you know, kept pressing is about peace. And this week we have the theme of peace and the worship was a lot about peace. But the Lord just kept pressing over and over again this week how much we really need his peace. And we can't, we cannot truly live without it. True peace is peace that can come in any circumstance. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's lined up. But when you have His peace, it comes no matter what you're going through. And you can truly experience that. I remember, and I'm sure you guys, a lot of you guys remember too, whenever one of my closest friends, when I lost his mom to a drunk driver a few years back in 2020, I remember that day feeling so overwhelmed, getting a call, driving to the hospital. It was the worst day of my life. Because she was like a, a mother to me. I had known her for 13 years and and it was some pretty hard news. So I was driving to the hospital, and I remember I stopped. I just sat in a parking lot before I got to Mission Hospital. And I was just, I was crying. I was completely undone. And I was just like, what is going on? I was so in shock. I was like, what is happening? I didn't want to believe it. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. When those things happen, you just can't believe it. It, it's, so, it's so much of a shock. It's like there's no way this is real. But I remember I was sitting in my car going through one of the worst things ever. And I remember the minute that I cried out to the Lord, I felt peace. I was still grieving and I still felt pain for the loss of someone who was very special to me. But the minute that I took the time to cry out to the Lord, 
He gave me peace. And that's real peace. That's peace that will come no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with. His peace can come in any circumstance, any time. You know, this is, this is what's interesting. I was looking at some other ways that people think that you can find peace, which is a counterfeit to Jesus' peace. The Buddhist finds peace peace through detaching oneself through a cycle of craving. Muslims find peace through mandatory five prayers a day and doing multiple deeds, good deeds. Hindus find peace within consciousness and through the guidance of a guru. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion that says peace is a gift? Every other religion says peace is something that you work for. Peace is something that you have to attain. Peace is a goal. Peace is, is you have to do this, you have to do it A, B, C, D, and then once you do those things, then you have peace. But Jesus is the only one who says, no, my peace is a gift. It's something that I'm going to give to you, something that you don't have to work for. That's a big difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Jesus. Peace in the world's eyes is something that you have to earn. And that's what I... You know, war, war is an example. We're going through war, we're in war, and we're fighting because we're trying to earn peace. We're trying to beat the enemy, and we're trying to earn peace. But we're still in war. It doesn't work, does it? Jesus said peace is a gift. Jesus said that he will give you peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. In Isaiah 9, we know this. In John 14, 27, it says, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking courage. So right there, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. What is that peace that he's talking about? He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he was speaking to the disciples at this time, before the Holy Spirit came. When we give our life to Jesus and we accept him into our life and we believe that he is Lord, when we believe that he died and he was resurrected, from that very moment and from that very instant, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And from that day, we have total and complete access to peace because it's through the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, and you follow him, then you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have complete and total access to peace at any point in time, at any given day. Total access. But it doesn't always work out that way, does it? Sometimes we take our eyes off the Lord. Sometimes we get distracted with other things. Sometimes we try to go to things of the world for peace instead of the prince of peace. And no matter how many things we run to, no matter how many different avenues we try to go down, we will never truly find peace unless it's through Jesus. And the world will try to confuse you and they'll try to say, but you can, you can find peace through this. You can find peace through that. It may last for a period of time, but it won't last forever. No, the peace that Jesus is talking about is a peace that will never, ever leave you. 
It's an eternal peace, unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. And that's what it is to have true peace. It's a peace that never leaves you. And John 4, that's the main passage we're going to be talking out of today. The story of the woman at the well. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. This is, this is a very big story because on, on their journey, on the way... You know, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. He didn't have to stop here. This was, not, this was not a place that he had to be at. He willingly chose to stop there. He willingly chose to sit at that well where that woman would be. And if we keep going, it says, After he asked for a drink, the woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Immediately the woman goes, Why are you asking me for a drink? Why is it me? Why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God had for you, then you'd be asking me. Sometimes we can get in our own way from what the Lord wants to give. We can be the person, we can say, Lord, no, 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 this isn't for me. That's not me. That, that, you must be, you, you should talk to someone else. I'm not the person that you should be talking to. I'm not the person that you should be giving this to. And sometimes we get in our own way of things that the Lord wants to give us. It's like, you know, when people see a, a pastor preaching, they say, well, that's the pastor. They're anointed for that. Good on them. They're the preacher. I'm not. No, the Bible says we're all called to be preachers. It looks different for everyone, but we're all called to be preachers of the gospel in some way. Whether it's in your job, your school, Wherever you are in your home, you're called to be a preacher of the gospel. The Lord wants to impart things. The Lord wants to give us things. But we have to be in a, in a place of humility, understanding that we don't deserve anything that he gives. But he wants to give it because he loves us and because of his grace. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is say, Jesus, you're the one I want. And you see, those are the moments where peace starts to flood your life. 
There's some of us in this room that you haven't experienced peace in a very long time. You haven't experienced true peace. And maybe you've been going through the days and you've been filled with rage, you've been filled with anger, you've been filled with doubt. Jesus wants to meet you as he did this woman. He wants you to know what true peace is. You see, in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Scripture says that we can quench the Spirit, or, or it says do not, do not extinguish the Spirit. We can stop the flow of the Holy Spirit moving through us. That's why you can be a Christian and still not feel peace because you can be the one stopping his peace from saturating your life. When we, when we take our eyes off Jesus and when we focus on all the things happening around us, that's when we fall. That's when things get worse. But there, there has to come a point in your life where you say, no matter what happens, no matter what I'm going through, Jesus is worthy, and I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him. When you get to that place, when your heart is set on that, on him, in every circumstance, you will experience peace. And there's no question about it. It's not negotiable. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're going to experience peace. If you're here and you're not feeling his peace, if you've gone through the week, if you've gone through the month, and you haven't experienced peace... You need to fix your eyes on Jesus and stop getting in your own way and just say, yes, this is not something that you have to work for. Accept the peace that he has for you because it's a gift. And we can't, you know, Chris, Christmas coming up, people give you presents. You can't take anything if your hands are full. How do you receive a gift? You have to take it. He wants to give this to you as a gift. No, we have to take it. Does that make sense? And going further down in verse 11. She said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Again, she said, You don't have a rope or a bucket. Stop looking at what you don't have and just look to Jesus because he's more than enough. He's, he's the God of the impossible for a reason. If he couldn't do the impossible, then he's not God. He, he, he can do more than we can do. He can handle it. It's not, he, he, things aren't out of his control. He can handle things. You're not a burden on him. He died for every person in this room. And Jesus said, it is finished. So don't get 
and your the things that you've done don't get caught up in the bad person you think you are accept him his blood washes you clean he said it's finished it's finished we don't need to make it complicated a lot of times in a situation that doesn't make sense you know she was looking for a rope she was looking for a bucket when things don't make sense that doesn't mean that your situation is hopeless it doesn't mean that it won't work out see when things don't make sense we should be encouraged we should be excited because that means God's about to do the impossible he's about to do something that we didn't even know he could do he wants us to know him as the Almighty. He wants us to know Him as the one who can perform miracles. He wants them, us to know Him as the disciples knew Him. That's how He wants us to know Him. He's not this Jesus that you, you put on a shelf or He's not this person that you put on a picture and you hang it on your wall. He's not this Jesus that you put on an ornament. He is real. He's living and He wants to encounter your heart. And He wants to speak to you every single day. But our ears have to be open to listen. Because I'll tell you what, if your ears aren't open, there's going to come a day when he's coming back. And Jesus said, if your lamp isn't filled with oil, then it's going to be too late. People don't like to hear that, but that's the Bible. We have to be prepared and we have to be ready. And it's not going to be the way the world says we need to be prepared. It will be by saying yes to him, and he will gift these things to us. It's simple. After Jesus said that he will give, she will never be thirsty again, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring. In verse 15, she said, please, sir. Give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus said, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman said. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus, he, he was showing her who he is in this instance. He's saying, look, I've seen who you are. I've seen what you've done. I know the past. I know the mistakes. You see, this is the thing that's crazy. He didn't even have to be here. He didn't even have to stop here. He knew the things that she's all done. He, 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 he knows that all the sins that she's committed, but he still stopped purposely and intentionally because he wanted her to have that living water that he was talking about. He already knew all, the, all her past. He already knew all the things she did wrong, but he still stopped there because he wanted her. Those things that she did didn't matter. It didn't affect him to not go there. He still said, you're the one I want. And I have water for you that you've never had before. And that's what he speaks to us. He says, you're the one I want. And he says, I have peace for you that the world knows nothing about. But will we receive that peace? Will we say yes to him? 
Will we allow that peace to permeate through our hearts and to touch our life? Because that's what he wants for all of us. You are not hopeless. It's not over. Some people have been consumed with doubt in this room. He's still the same God that he was with Abraham. He's still the same God that parted the Red Sea. He's still that same one, and he wants us to know him in that way. What is it going to take for us to give him our everything? What is it going to take for us to put down these distractions and say, Jesus, you're the one I want. Jesus, you're the one I need. Because there's so many things, especially in our culture, that's distracting us every single direction. It's nothing but distraction and distraction and distraction. He's saying, look, focus on me, and then all these things will work out. Focus on the kingdom first, and everything else will follow. That is what we need. We don't need another self-help book. We need Jesus. This is the best self-help book you could ever have. He has what you need. Trust him. Run to him. Have you been taking that time to spend with him? Have you been taking that time in the morning to soak in his presence, to read his word? Or have you walked away? And have you gotten so worried and so caught by distractions? And if that's you in this room and you don't have peace, that's why. We need to be close to him. We need to seek his heart. The closer we are to Jesus, the more peace we're going to have in our life. And the more peace will permeate through our life. And other people will take notice. What you carry is also what you spread. If you carry the peace of Jesus, it's going to spread. People are going to notice that you have peace. If you carry his joy, it's going to spread. People are going to notice that you have joy. If you're always doubtful and you're always moping, that's going to spread to other people and they're going to see that. What you carry is what you're going to spread. What are you going to carry? Are you going to carry what he wants to give you? Or are you going to try to do this on your own, carry the things of the world, and not accept him because he wants to help? He wants to carry you. He wants you to rest and lean on him. And I can tell there's, there's also people in here that feel so tired and so weary. And you've just been going and going and going, and you're like, I just don't know if I can do another Sunday. I just don't know if I can do these worship mornings. I don't know if I can really sit alone with the Lord. Jesus said if you're tired and weary, he will give you rest. We need to go to him. He's the source. Our faith is not in a pastor. Our faith is not in a building. Our faith is in Jesus. And we, when we just go to him in our, in our place of feeling exhausted and tired... And we just put aside that time. You will experience rest and peace. He, he's worth sacrificing your work time. He's so worthy of that. If you just spend an hour with him in the day, every day, that little bit is going to change your life tremendously. If you spend just 15 minutes a day, that's going to change everything for you.
I've said it before. He can do, the Holy Spirit can, you can do more with the Holy Spirit in five minutes than you can without Him in five years. He can do way more than what we could do. If you want to be more productive, you want to get more done, put Him first. He's going to help you get things done, and it will work out. So going down further, in verse 19, she said, Sir, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that... Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Jerusalem where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming and will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while the Jews know all about him. For salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. He's looking for people who's going to worship Him in spirit and truth. You can come to church, you can raise your hands, you can, you can dance, you can shout, you can get on your face. But if it's not in spirit and truth, it's nothing. You can look like the most holy person in the room. doesn't mean that you know Him. You can be tossed across the room by the Spirit. His Holy Spirit can come upon you and you can fall on the ground. doesn't mean you know Him. Just because you encounter somebody doesn't mean that you know Him. Somebody, a stranger on the street could punch me in the face. That's an encounter. I don't. doesn't mean I know that person. <laughs> I mean, we know somebody because we spend time with them every single day. And we have a conversation with them and it's a relationship. We need, we need to run after that. We need encounter. We need the Lord to encounter our lives. We need the Lord to change us and, and to touch us. We need those moments. But more than anything, we need intimacy. Because if we don't know Him, it's all useless. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you know where people said, but we cast out demons in your name. We did all these signs and wonders in your name. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Because those are the people who spend the time to focus so much on the encounter, on those things that they never actually opened up the Bible and spent time with them. 18% of Christians in America who say they're Christian have never opened the Bible once and read it. The percentage goes a lot higher for Christians who've never even read the whole Bible. All you got to do is spend five, ten minutes in this every day and you'll read the whole Bible in a year. But we don't spend that time. The Lord wants us to be in His presence and He wants us to know His Word. If you want to know Jesus, get in the Word. Because there's a lot of people who say Jesus is this, Jesus is that. Muslims believe in Jesus, but they don't know Him and they don't believe in the right Jesus. We're only going to know who He really is by going through the Bible. And that's how we're going to get a clear picture of who is Jesus really. Is your heart and your mind, are you looking at the right Jesus? Or are you looking at a counterfeit? A lot of atheists who've never opened the Bible, they just see Jesus as a Republican. You know? And that's truth. He's a political figure. And people will believe that. 
people, people believe that, that he's just a political figure and he's nothing else and nothing more. That's why we need the word. We need to know the word so we know who he really is. We can't just trust the words of people. You need to test my words. You need to test Sam's word. You need to test Eli's words. Anybody who preaches in front of you, test their words. Open this Bible and see it for yourself. His words are eternal, not mine. You need to test this for yourself. If someone's telling you those things, you need to test it and you need to look at it for yourself. In verse 24, for God is spirit, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what did you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. I think that's funny. <laughs> because he was tired and weary, and they went to get him food. <laughs> they bring food back, and he was like, I got food you know nothing about. <laughs> and they were like, um, in the next verse, like, does someone bring him food while we're gone? <laughs> oh, Jesus is funny. And then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. There is a harvest in our city, and it's waiting. It's ripe. It's waiting for people to go out and to harvest. And there's seeds that's been planted in our city that was planted a long time ago. And now's the time for us to step out. Now's the time for us to proclaim who Jesus is, Jesus is, to pray for people, to preach the gospel, because it is ripe. And he's looking. Who's willing to go in my name? Your actions show a lot about who you are and what you believe. Your actions say a lot about it. You see, if you're not willing to share his name, then you're ashamed of him. It's, it's that simple. If you're, if you're too scared and you're not willing to go out and to share his name, whether it's with your family or your friend or it's out on public street, whatever it is, if you won't do that, you're not denying yourself. You're not picking up your cross and following him. He said, pick up your cross and follow him. That looks like something. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Love looks like something. You have to get over fear and doubt and let his love and peace consume your life 
And boldness will come from that. So, how can a believer continually walk in peace? And that comes in Philippians 4, 6 through 9. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is the key. If you want to walk in peace continually as a Christian, if you want to walk in peace day after day, you need whatever you worry about, trade it for praying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If you, are you here today? Do you have worries? Do you have things that are, are on, on you and that's, that's heavy? Pray about it. And don't just pray, but thank Him for all He's done. When we have the attitude of, of gratefulness and we're praying to him about everything there's something about that that allows us to experience he, his peace where scripture says where it exceeds anything we could understand that's how we, we can continually live and walk in peace day in day out give him your burdens give him your worries give him the things that have been weighing on you and tell him thank you he's done a lot for you you probably don't even know that we can thank him about. There's so many details that he's in. There's so many things that he's in within our life to make sure that we're still breathing. There's so much to thank him for. When you're, when you're focused more on him and thanking him, then those worries, they start not to weigh on you as much. And it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters... And verse um, 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So not only... Do we need to not worry about anything, but pray about everything? Not only do we need to thank the Lord for all He's done, but we need to put the things in practice that we learned and received. That means we need to walk in the will of God. We need to do what He's called us to do. Whoever He's called you to be, whatever He's called you to do, walk in that. And as you walk more and more in His will, you will experience more and more of His peace. Every single person in this room, he's called you to something specific. He's called you to do something. He's called you to be someone. Whoever that is, whatever that is, walk in that. And as you walk in that more and more, you will experience his peace more and more. And if you don't know what his purpose and his calling is for your life, pray. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. But that, again, that comes with intimacy. That comes with spending time with him every single day. That comes with opening his word. That comes with setting aside that time. And as we grow closer to him, he will reveal to us what we're called to do in life. If you're here and you're still breathing, 
You, there's a will for your life. There's something he's calling you to do. You're not called to be a couch potato. That's just the way it is. He's called you to do something. He's called you to be someone. And it's much greater than you probably think. The things that he's called you to do, the, the places that he's called you to be, it's so much greater than what we can think. Because with him, all things are possible. You may look at yourself and say, well, I'm just this person. You know, just like that woman. Why are you talking to me? Why, why, why is it me? Don't look down on yourself, but step into your identity. Who, who are you in Christ? He's called you to be confident. He's called you to walk in joy. He's called you to walk in peace. He's called you to walk in love. He's called you to be bold. He's called you to boldly come before his throne. That's who you are. That's your identity. Step into that. You want more peace? Step into that. So come to a decision that no matter what in your life, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you go through, you need to come to a decision that God is good and that he's worthy. Because when the heat's turned up, your real self comes out. When the pressures come and when things are happening around you, that's when the test of heart comes. And that's when the Lord is really seeing who you really are. What do you do when the heat's turned up? What do you do when pressures and worries of life come? Do you retreat? Do you isolate? Do you ignore him and not, and not pray and not worship? Or do you press in even more? If you press in even more, that means your heart's for him. But if the worries and the pressures of life come around you and you don't, that just means you need heart surgery from Jesus. And you need to let him. And it's not always going to be fun. And sometimes it's going to be painful. But you need to let him strip away the things from your life that doesn't belong. He needs to always be good. There's so many things that I've gone through in my life that it doesn't even make sense that I'm here. But no matter what, I've come to a decision and I've said, Lord, no matter what, even if I lose everything, you're still good and you're still worthy. A friend of mine who's a missionary, he came to a point in his life where the Lord, he saved, he saved his life one time from falling off a cliff. And at that moment, he said, I had to come to a decision, either God's good or he's not. And he said, I decided God's good all the time, no matter what happens. Even if it's the worst thing ever, even if you lose your, one of your best friend's mo- mothers, he's still good. Even if you lose someone very dear to your heart, even if someone leaves you and it just it, it rips you on the inside, he's still good. Understand that. He's always worthy. He's always good. So just to recap, replace your worries with prayers. And give God thanks. Walk in the will of God. And peace and joy will come in your life. Be a peacemaker. Walk in peace. That's how you walk in peace. We're we're called to be a fragrance of, of Jesus. People should be able to see the peace in our life. People should be able to, to know that we carry his peace. And just like the woman at the well... Jesus is talking to each person in this room. 
He doesn't have to be with us. This isn't a requirement. We don't deserve anything from him. But just like the woman at the well, he's going out of his way right now to tell you, I saw what you did. I know what you did last night. I know what you did last week. I know what you did last month. I know what you did a few years ago. I know that mistake that you made. I can see it. I know it. But just like the woman at the well, he's saying, just drink what I have. If you would just take a drink, then you would know this eternal life that I have. Then you would know this water that I have that is unlike anything you've ever experienced. But just take a drink from me. And that's all it takes. He's sitting here and he's with you today. And he's saying, I know what you did. All I want you to do is take what I have. And you'll have peace unlike anything before. Don't quench the spirit. Let him do what he wants to do. If he's moving within you and he wants you to get on your face, if he's moving within you and he's calling you to go out and and share the gospel somewhere, let him do those things through you. And let him move in power through your life. And peace will come. So let's stand and, and pray. And prayer team, um, if you would come up as well. As we close service, I just want to give an invitation. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, especially if you're not a Christian, but if you're in this room and you said to yourself, you know, I've been going through it. I haven't really experienced his true peace. I haven't been experiencing that daily. I haven't been encountering his peace. Then I want you to know that today Jesus wants you to experience his peace. I want you to know that today he wants to encounter you and he wants you to experience a peace like never before. He's ready and he's waiting and he has that cup of water in his hand. He's saying, will you come and take the cup? And experience a peace like you've never experienced in your life. So as we start praying, if you're in this room and you, and you say, I need that peace. I need to experience peace like no other. There's no shame in this room, whether you're a believer or not. It's okay to be in these places. Just say yes to him and he'll take care of it. So as we pray, if that's you, feel free to make your way forward to our prayer team up here. Um, we trust them. We love them. They're going to take care of you. But please come forward if you're here in, in this room and he's talking to you. For everyone else, let's open our hands and pray. Father, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Lord, that you take care of us. Thank you, Lord, that you've never let us down. I pray, Father, that you would be the Prince of Peace in our life. Help us to walk in your peace every day. I pray, Lord, that you would lift up all our worries, lift up our burdens. And I pray, Father, that we would encounter your peace. Help us to carry your peace, Father, so others can know it. Put boldness in our hearts, Father. Put confidence within us. All doubts and worries go right now in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, 
that if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, I pray today would be the day that they would come forward and they would give their life to you and they would say yes to knowing eternal peace. So, Lord, put your hand on each person in this room now and encounter us. In Jesus' name, amen.